it really kind of seared into my mind the need to be nimble and adaptable to thrive in such a, a competitive and ever-changing kind of market. You know, it's changed so much that I think it's more important now than ever to be able to, you know, see what's going on and adjust quickly. This is the What Works Podcast, and I'm your host, Tara McMullen. If you want to build a business that can stand the test of time, you need to figure out what works for you and your small company. That's why every week I talk with real small business owners about what's really working for them. I want to help you fill in all the details of how others do what they do so you can fill in the details that work for you. My guest this week is jeweler Christy Natsumi. Christy is a San Francisco-based fine jewelry designer specializing in wedding rings and modern jewelry essentials to wear as meaningful reminders of all of life's special celebrations. She's proud to lead a certified San Francisco green business, and her work has been featured in The Knot, Design Sponge, and San Francisco Magazine. I wanted to demystify the complex business model that many jewelry businesses operate with. For instance, Christy creates work on commission, sells her work wholesale to retailers, and has a vibrant retail business through her own website. In many ways, her business model as a jeweler has a lot in common with other complex models you might see in the coaching, digital products, or business services fields. I chatted with Christy about how her different lines of business work together, how she manages her time to stay on top of the responsibilities, and how she creates efficiencies between her different business segments and customer groups. Now, let's find out what works for Christy Natsumi. Christina Atsumi, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dara. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we're going to dig into your jewelry business model because um, I don't think a lot of people realize how complicated uh, a jewelry business can actually become because there's a few mm -hmm. different ways that jewelry ends up being sold. There's retail, yeah. which happens both offline and online. There's mm -hmm. wholesale, which is, I think, increasingly happening both offline and online. And then mm -hmm. there's also custom work and commissioned-based work as well. And it seems that you've pursued all three of these avenues. Why do why make your business so complicated? Why pursue all three of those those uh, avenues for sales? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it does make things a little bit complicated, that's for sure. And um, it's true that these business models can easily be um, each an entire business. And there are many jewelers and jewelry brands in the industry that um, focus on one of these aspects and have a, you know, fantastic um, successful business. Um, but in reality, I want to clarify that, you know, even if I have all of these three branches of revenue streams in my business, um, you know, I can really only focus on growing one aspect of these branches at a time. Um, so I just wanted to kind of clarify that. Uh, yeah. I feel like I can answer this question in a couple ways. Uh, but uh, first is to say that you know, none of these three business streams exist in separate vacuums. Um, they all form and support each other. And um, it's really a balance of my clients' needs, my business needs, and my personal needs. And um, I found that, you know, having multiple streams helps kind of balance out when, they, you know, one stream is a little bit 
slower than the other um, and or, you know, then another one picks up and there's definitely a seasonality in, in um, what I do. So having kind of backups is um, kind of a, a smart way to manage the cash flow as well. But in all honesty, you know, I went to jewelry school or I was coming out of it during the recession um, and it really informed me. And it's not that, you know, I wanted to, I'm carrying a pessimistic point of view or a point of, you know, a lack, but it really kind of seared into my mind the need to be nimble and adaptable to thrive in such a a competitive and, you know, ever-changing kind of market and even in the last, since then, you know, it's changed so much that um, I think it's more important now than ever to be able to, you know, see what's going on and adjust quickly. Um, I would say that that's, you know, one way of answering the question. The other way would kind of be just um, more reflective of my artistic journey and my um, confidence as a jeweler. So I've always had an idea of wanting to, you know, uh, have values of um, love and inclusivity um, in my business, Um, especially with my background of being multiracial. It was really important for me to make things that represent um, so many ways people uh, love and share that love and celebrate it in the world. Uh, so the very first collection I did was a collection of uh, silver jewelry um, with heart motifs <laughs> and um, not quite hitting it out of the park <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of, you know, there was a lot of things that weren't quite there. Um, I won't get into all of the details, but, you know, price point and Heart motifs can sometimes be like, uh, you know, hearts. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the intention was there. Um, and I did a couple more collections, you know, refined my aesthetic a little bit. And I started to notice that, you know, people were asking me um, for wedding rings and uh, custom engagement rings. And um, I would do a couple here and there. And, you know, after a while, I really noticed that, um, there was a real gap between what people were asking me for and what I actually had um, uh, had for sale. And it was just kind of an aha moment where, and, and actually, in fact, it might have been um, around the time I took one of your creative live courses as well, Tara, kind of looking at the um, Venn diagram of, you know, what clients need and what they're most likely to purchase um, and then how that overlaps with um my my design aesthetic, what I enjoy creating, uh, my values, and um, you know my production capabilities, um, and so that was kind of a moment where I said, okay, I I want to pivot my business, um, and I created a pretty large collection of uh, men's wedding rings to start. Um, it was um, fairly straightforward for production. Um, for me. Um, and I felt that it conveyed the value of my company values and also um, gave a great idea of my aesthetic to the people that were coming to my site. Um, you know, we used a lot of those uh, visual cues as a jumping off point for a lot of my custom work. So from there, I really wanted to kind of 
know more about my clients. So I said, all right, well, maybe I'll really deep dive and um, think about doing more custom work. Um, it's just such a fantastic way to um, get to know your clients one-on-one because you're working with them for so long and you know, you get to know their fears and, you know, their most common questions um, and, you know, what it really took to establish trust with a client. Um, so that's kind of been what I've been focusing on for the last few years. And as I have found, you know, diamond vendors that I trust that are transparent and, and, and that have integrity, I've added more diamond pieces to my site as well as been grown more confident in offering that in my custom work and um, also you know the custom process just uh, really allowed me to be a little bit more environmentally mindful as well Um, I really struggled in the beginning um, with the thought of making things for the sake of producing a ton of things so I loved that the bridal pieces allowed me to you know, not only merge value um, and, you know, meet my clients' needs, um, it uh, definitely served my business in terms of um, having a healthy profit margin, um, the price point, you know, and also my my yearning to have um, and create pieces that had some kind of permanence and importance and value in uh, my client's life. So, all this to say, uh, I guess I've really enjoyed growing my business in a very organic way that uh, both reflects kind of my daily needs as well as like overarching um, yearly themes as well. And that kind of shifts and grows um, uh, based on uh, which revenue I'm focusing on. Yeah. I love that you, you know, that you say that you've really, you've loved growing your business organically, but I think for a lot of people that can mean, well, I just, I kind of see what happens and and follow the winds as they may blow. But what I'm <laughs> really hearing from you is that this has been a very intentional, very thoughtful process. And I'm sure some of that intention and thoughtfulness is, you know, reflecting on decisions that you've made. And maybe in the moment, it felt a little bit more up in the air. But I I really appreciate how you kind of walked us through that evolution of and, and how that's allowed you to pursue each of these different revenue streams, different pieces of your business model. Yeah. I also really love um, that you called out um, that you can really only focus on one thing at a time. And I think this is where so many people (laughs) go wrong, right? When they are pursuing a more complicated business model, it's like, I'm going to do all the things all the time and make all the money. And it's like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Um, And you also said that it was that there's a seasonality to those things. So Mm -hmm. is that how you determine what the priority is, what you're going to focus on? And if so, can you kind of walk us through what those seasons are? When are you focusing on retail? When are you focusing on wholesale? And when are you focusing on more commission-based work? Hmm. Um, you know, I <laughs> there really isn't a simple answer to this either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are general themes. Um, uh, you know, uh, retail picks up during Christmas time. It's a little bit slower in, in the earlier part of the year, uh, January, February, and during um, summer, um, retail um, is slow. And um, I find that wholesale is um, 
is sort of reflective of that, but um, but stores buy um, outside of when the normal consumer base is, is purchasing. So they buy before um, those seasons happen. So so there's a little bit of balance there between wholesale and retail. Um, and then for custom, because everything is um, so bridal focused, um, you know, in general, you have a busy season in the spring and and then you have another pickup in the fall or, you know, both of which are uh, fairly popular times to get married or propose. But, you know, it's it's so funny that you think uh, you, you make uh, plans um, and budgets and things like that based on, um, <laughs> you know, what happened um you know, a year, you know, the last few years, and then you get into the year and you're like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I guess that's um, different this year. Um, so you kind of always have to be on your toes. Um, and again, going back to how at the beginning where you have to be nimble and um, adaptable to the even the slight shifts in, in changes of how people purchase things. Um, but um, on a more granule granular level, um, you know, on a day to day basis, I uh, again, I found that focusing on one thing at a time really works for me. Um, and uh, so I really try to work with loose blocks of time um, and to really create um, clear boundaries around how how and when I interact with clients. <laughs> um, and I try to stick to a schedule to, you know, meet with clients, um, you know, all in one day, um, maybe two, um, once a week. Um, and that really helps kind of structure my week so that I'm not doing, I'm not meeting somebody here and then trying to email them and then making their ring and, you know, trying to do this marketing thing, you know. Um, so uh, the, the chunks chunking of things, um, similar things in one bucket of time um, has really helped me focus um, uh, at more of the daily level as well. And um, in terms of how I split my time on a daily basis, um, I would say currently I'm actually um, sharing my studio with uh, two other amazing female jewelers, um, uh, Corey Egan and Sharon Zimmerman. And um and we're on a floor uh, with other trade jewelers in the middle of San Francisco. So uh, in addition to having the wanting to do all the things, um, I'm, I'm uh, in a fairly busy, bustling area. Um, and the community is uh, invaluable, but can definitely be a little bit distracting at times. Um, so I try to start my day um in my home office, um, and I do things that require um, interrupt, uninterrupted quiet time. Um, so I do customer service, um, emails um, with existing clients, uh, sketching and renderings for projects I'm doing, um, uh, and also long, longer term projects. Um, and right now, that's um, writing new copy for my site. Um, and I try to schedule any business-related meetings in the morning. Um, and then in the afternoon, uh, I go into my studio and, you know, I do my errands and I see my vendors and um, I work at my bench um, on both, uh, you know, production and client uh, jobs and, um, 
you know, and also any administrative work that requires me being at the studio. And yeah, and then one day a week, I, I meet um, with most of my clients. And um, in terms of prioritizing on a daily basis, I I really try to focus on, I meet with my clients on Tuesday, or I try to. So, you know, um, most of my, the first part of my week um, is handling um, client-based needs. Um, and then, um, you know, and the wholesale comes in, you know, based on kind of the seasonality and the busyness, but, you know, since it's, um, not a current focus of mine, it, um, I don't allow a lot too much extra time for it. Um, and then towards the end of the week, I try to work on, um, more fun stuff, <laughs> uh, like R and D, um, for new pieces, um, you know, uh, experiment with new techniques. Um, you know, I still practice on new things um, and different techniques. Um, that's, um, you know, I think really important to keep me on my toes and always evolving. Um, and also uh, just I try to make time at the end of the week for, you know, other fun little things like printing out photos that my clients send me and putting it up on my bulletin <laughs> board and, <laughs> you know, and writing out um, or like printing out something they had written in the email and tacking it up to my board. And, um, you know, and I really try to uh, bring in um, a little bit more of um, attentiveness around my personal um, needs at the end of the week. Um to just make sure that I'm staying engaged um, and um, focused and to avoid burnout. Um, and actually, in fact, I have it in my email signature that I don't answer emails on Fridays. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's worked um, fairly well for the time being. That's awesome. So I love that despite us being in completely different industries and uh -huh. probably like the day-to-day -day things that we're actually doing being at least on the surface, fairly different. Mm -hmm. My weekly schedule looks pretty much exactly like your weekly schedule. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my client days are Wednesdays and Thursdays and not Tuesdays, but other than that, like it's a very similar flow to the point mm -hmm. where Friday, yes, is like my fun day. And that's when I'm going to experiment or that's when I'm going to read a book instead of like sitting at my desk. And I love that you are reminding us that just because something feels fun or just because it's not necessarily bringing in revenue right now, or it's not necessarily mm -hmm. marketing your business, that that doesn't mean it's not a business activity. Absolutely. Printing out yeah. those photos, printing out those emails and reminding yourself of the, the great work that you're doing is like a really important business task. And there, oh you know, there gosh, are yes. huge companies. <laughs> yeah. There are huge companies that have people who's that's their job, right? It's called mm -hmm. human resources. <laughs> yeah. You know, They're there to remind you that what you're doing matters. And I love mm -hmm. that that's baked into your weekly schedule. And I hope that that's a takeaway for people listening. It's such an easy thing to do, but so valuable. Yeah. And, you know, um, when I first started my business, um, you know, I, I tend to be a little bit shy and, um, a little, you know, um, have more introverted tendencies. So, you know, I was kind of twiddling my thumbs, hoping that somebody was gonna, you know, say, Oh, my gosh, you're so great. <laughs> you know, like, um, you, you know, like, uh, and then like, 
you know, just kind of um, say, you should be, you know, kind of put the spotlight on me. But um, really, I've learned that you kind of have to learn how to do that for yourself. Um, and it's not that it's uh, egotistical or anything like that. It's, um, it's just, um, um, you know, both it honors, um, you know, the craft and what you're making and it also honors um the people you're serving and and I think it's really important to take a moment and at least you know once a week to be reminded of that and um to kind of center back into why you're doing something amen to that that is pure gold and I <laughs> don't mean that in a punny way well I kind of do okay so, uh... <laughs> Great businesses and companies aren't the product of one person's hard work, but the result of coming together with colleagues, critics, customers, and collaborators to build something great. We all get help from unlikely sources, and we all owe a special thanks to the people who support us as we build our empires. Whether it's peer support, collaboration, or accountability, our colleagues and friends keep us connected to our missions. Their support enhances our own agency and creativity as founders, doers, and makers. Our critics and collaborators help us to push our perceived limits and create work on a whole new level. Our mentors share their hard-won lessons and give us a leg up on what it'll take to turn vision into reality. That's why all this month, Co-Commercial and I are celebrating what happens when small business owners work together. You can follow along and contribute your own stories, experiences, and personal shout outs by following me at Tara underscore McMullen on Instagram and checking out the Let's Work Together hashtag. We'll be amplifying and reposting our favorite contributions all month long. So for your chance to be featured, make sure you're following me at Tara underscore McMullen. Small business owners, let's work together. The other thing you said early on in the conversation was that you recognize that none of the segments of your business exist in a vacuum, that they all mm -hmm. feed each other, they all influence each other. Um, and so I'm curious where you find that to be true the most and how maybe you've created some efficiencies uh, between those business segments so that you know, like, okay, I'm working on like this, this is a post about retail, but I know it's going to help my custom business too. Can you give us some examples of that? Um, how how things overlap. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, you know, uh, for example, if I'm working, um, uh, on a full custom piece, um, you know, I really take the customer feedback that I get, um, and I can use, you know, some wording or fears or anything and funnel that into copy onto my site. Um, or, you know, if I'm um, continually getting the same questions over and over, that might mean that, oh, I should write, you know, some kind of educational content um, about that on my site. Um, and that in turn helps um, my retail clients um, not who don't really want to work with me on a custom level, but are also interested in the other other pieces on my site. Um, and, um, oh gosh, there's so many, um, examples. Um, you know, if I'm working on a, on a, a full custom piece that, you know, I may or may not really carry, um, you know, it also, it still serves as kind of a wow factor and an aspirational piece, um, for my retail and wholesale clients, just as an example. Um, um, and also for my future custom, um, of clients um, to just 
see what uh, the scope of my abilities are. And um, let's see, uh, you know, and I think the it can go the opposite way in terms of having a strong retail collection um, really informs uh, my custom clients of my aesthetics. So I'm not getting... Um, you know, strange uh, requests for something that's, um, you know, completely out of my wheelhouse, which yeah. I have, I did when I first started. Um, but it's, you know, um, and, you know, also having a retail collection that people can touch is really important um, when you're doing custom work, you know, because although you're making something that doesn't exist yet, you really do need a point of reference to say, okay, I like this, uh, this is too thin, this is too wide. Um, so having a, a collection helps in, in that regard as well. And, you know, I also try to kind of have a system where if I create a custom piece for a client, um, I'll also in turn create a piece for me um, for my retail side to help build up my inventory um, and kind of as a... Um, you know, a way to grow the business slowly um, and um, have a little bit more pieces that are, you know, ready to go available for clients that want it, you know, want to propose tomorrow, <laughs> you know, or want to go to right. the courthouse right away. Um, uh, so that's been a really helpful kind of, um, you know, one for me, one for you um, system um, that's, you know, that doesn't put pressure on you to um, to make everything at once because um, I don't think um, you know that's a really sustainable way to you know you don't want all all of your money uh, wrapped up in you know gold <laughs> in inventory and uh, let's see in terms of overlap uh, like from the wholesale side I would say that um, my wholesale partners um, that I've been working with very closely, it's, you know, it's very much a, a back and forth um, close relationship as well, similar to, a, you know, a custom client. And, um, you know, in fact, it was through working with one of my stores that I developed um, one of my most popular men's rings, actually, um, you know, because they would tell me, you know, uh, you know, men's men would, wouldn't necessarily come in for a custom ring. So, uh, it, I didn't have that big of a, you know, sampling really, or, um, feedback per se. And, um, I was hearing from the sales, um, staff that, you know, you know, what they want is, you know, first and foremost, something comfortable. So I made something that was, you know, I took out the entire inside edge of, of the ring and then um, they wanted something um, that wasn't too bulky that, um, you know, didn't um, have too much metal um, bulk between the fingers. So I made it thinner um, and, you know, not quite round, but not quite flat um, and at a certain price point that they were continually being asking for. And, and now it's, um, you know, one of my bread and butter pieces. So I think being open to um, feedback from a lot of these channels really helps you hone in on on um, what your clients' needs are um, and and how you can help 
provide that for your for your customers. Yeah, I love how much you've shared about how open to feedback you are and how, and the different ways in which you use it because it's clear that you're not um, sacrificing your artistic your artistic perspective when you're doing it, but that you're using it to inform your artistic perspective and create a product that you know, like you said earlier, kind of is on that Venn diagram between what you want to create and what people want to buy. And I think that is a huge takeaway whether the whether people listening are are other jewelers or even if they're service providers or digital product makers. I mean, that's a lesson we can all learn from. That's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, I think it's a lot harder, you know, as a creative to, you know, make anything that you want, you know, and, and that's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of leads to analysis paralysis, you know, you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't make that. Or, you know, like that, the longing for perfectionism starts to creep in when you can make anything you want. But um, more than anything, I'm, I'm really grateful for, you know, my clients and, you know, and um, all of the feedback I've gotten um, just to even have guideposts um, to create that first draft. And then, you know, uh, once that first model is made, you know, you can kind of tweak it and, um, and um, change it based on um, uh, feedback from people actually wearing it. And, um, you know, and that's uh, being able to do that in my studio uh, makes the turnaround time um, quite quick. Uh, So that's definitely um, an advantage I've had. Um, as well. I love that. Do you have help juggling your workload or is it just you? Uh, Yes, absolutely. I have help. (laughs) Okay, good. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Up until now, I've really um, uh, taken the approach of hiring experts. Um, So I don't have any employees um, yet, um, although that may be changing soon um, as I, I kind of transition this year. Uh, but yes, I've worked with um, experts um, who are um, have very specific skills that can be applied to my business, and you know, in the, in areas that um, uh, would not be cost effective for me to take on. So. Um, on the production side, I have a local uh, contract artisans. Um, and it is a very conscious choice to, um, to work with local, um, uh, makers, um, and trade workers. Um, and I, I'm really lucky, um, to have a a floor of, of them that I can turn to for, for help and support. Um, but I do outsource, uh, very, very specific parts of the jewelry manufacturing, um, to um, to people that specialize in those particular techniques um, um, to kind of um, accelerate the um, delivery production and um, delivery time. Uh, so I have help um, in that regard for the production side. And then for more of the business um, admin side, I, I work with um, an accountant, um, um, for a couple of years, she's uh, wonderful, and I meet with her monthly. Um, and I have a lawyer who um, I consult from time to time for, you know, a website copy as well as um, 
She's drafted um, all of the contracts that I, I use uh, for my custom work, um, you know, uh, and in some cases I'm taking in grandma's diamonds. So yeah. um, there are definitely protections that uh, need to be in place um, for me to do that. So, um, so that's been a really helpful resource. Um, I have, uh, this is new for this year, but I've um, worked with a couple business coaches, um, both from more of like a systems analytical point of view and also um, a coach for more of like an emotional point of view um, in my mm-hmm. approach to business. And that's actually been uh, really, really helpful um, to have um, as help. Um, and apart from that, I, um, I have um, a videographer. Um, um, that I'm working with right now to um, create some new exciting content from my site, um, who was actually um, a custom client. Uh, <laughs> so he was actually perfect to um, kind of film what he would have liked to see uh, when he was first browsing or thinking of working with me. Um, and I have some uh, help uh, with uh, marketing and PR, Um and I have to give a shout out to my husband <laughs> uh, because he uh, <laughs> he is um, actually the web designer and builder of my site, um, and he's um, he's also uh, been taking photographs of all, all of my pieces since we first started. Um, so um, he's uh, been fantastic um, and um, great to work with as well, and. Um, and last but not least, I, I have to give a shout out to um, uh, my my studio mates. Um, we say studio wives because we we spend so much time together at work. Um, uh, but uh, you know that moral support and and community um, and just to be able to kind of turn around and you know vent or you know ask for advice or you know you know, clarifications on common practices, you know, that's, that's been invaluable. So um, seeing it as a two way street is definitely important. Um, And it's mostly, I've made my choices mostly um, on intuition, um, and trust and, um, and it's just really invaluable to have um, people that have your best interests in mind. And it's, really a foundational point that you need to be able to grow and thrive. Oh, I love how like aware and intentional and caring you are about the group of people that are supporting you in your business, because uh, regardless of whether you have W2 employees or not, you we all have people or we should all have people that are supporting us. So I really appreciate you kind of running us down who all is supporting you and the ways in which they're doing that. Um, yeah, I just, I'm blown away by your, your level of, of intention and strategic approach to all these different aspects of your business. Um, Christy, can you tell us, yeah. Can you tell us what's next? Um, are you working on any big projects? Is there a new collection coming out soon? What's next for your business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, as I said before, I've been, uh, focusing a lot on custom, but we're making the transition out of that in trying to focus more on retail in the next, uh, coming year. So that includes um, uh, 
building a new website, which is really exciting. Um, and I'm sure um, everybody who's listening that has a um, business that is doing a new website knows how difficult that is can yes. be. Um, but uh, I, I'm, we're really trying to intentionally take um, all of the lessons uh, and um, kind of the the connection that I I've been able to build with my clients on a one-to-one in-person um, situation and take that and translate that as best we can onto the website. Um, so that involves, you know, some having some videos, as I said before, um, and um, so that uh, clients feel uh, that they can get to know me a little bit before having to meet me. Um, you know, and that also includes um, some educational content um, and information about more of the nuts and bolts of um, questions uh, clients may have um, about fine jewelry in general, because, um, uh, you know, it can definitely be uh, overwhelming. Um, and apart from that, um, you know, we have some uh, more customizable designs, um, some women's stacking rings coming out and, um and uh, some p- more towards the holiday, we'll have, um, you know, uh, non-bridal pieces that are more reflective of, of milestones that um, most people celebrate um, that will be coming out soon. So lots of um, lots of exciting things around the corner. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Chrissy, this has been just a really fascinating conversation. And I really appreciate the look inside how your business works and your thought process behind it. Because like I said, I just, I think your level of intention and strategy as you make these decisions, as you understand how you, um, you know, shape your time, shape your schedule is just really top notch. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Tara. I really enjoyed it. Find out more about Christy Natsumi and her fine jewelry line at christynatsumi.com. What Works is brought to you by Co-Commercial. Every question you have about your business is a lesson someone else had to learn the hard way. From the isolation of your home office, it could take hours of research, loads of mental bandwidth, and a massive emotional strain to tackle the question or goal you have today. And then there's always the challenge you'll face tomorrow. You're more than capable of figuring things out on your own, but why continue to spend time and energy reinventing the wheel when solutions already exist? What if you could turn other small business owners' hard-won lessons into your custom solution? What if, instead of putting yourself through the process of experimenting with solutions, making mistakes, and losing time and money on the path to your goal, you took what others have learned and applied it to your business in a way only you know how? Co-Commercial helps small business owners work together to turn yesterday's hard-won lessons into today's creative ideas, solutions, and inspiration. When small business owners put their heads together, they act faster, stay more focused, and reclaim their emotional well-being. Our virtual co-working space, peer support network, and collaborative learning experiences help you do just that. The ultimate result? Sweet, sweet relief. Wondering what Co-Commercial is all about? Here's a skinny. Co-Commercial is a virtual co-working space. It's a chance to work out loud, to ask questions, meet new friends, and find new collaborators. Sure, we could call it a forum, but it's so much more than that. It's also a global network of small business owners. It's not just the platform that's important, it's the people. We work hard to build a culture and community where the smartest, savviest, and most connected small business owners want to hang out. 
Finally, co-commercial is collaborative learning experiences. You can pop into roundtable discussions, attend a virtual conference, join an expert Q&A, or attend a working session on a hot new piece of tech. We create programming not just for you, but with you and encourage you to become part of the conversation. To find out more about co-commercial and apply for membership, go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.